Hey there, friends. It's your boy, Nate. Just wanted to preface this episode with, again, this is one of my favorite episodes I've recorded. The honesty in this episode and just her heart that she shares is just so great. Uh, I love to facilitate these conversations and I love to just see women's hearts and issues shared um, on this platform and platforms across the world. Uh, if you have an issue with any of the stuff said, I'd say check your heart. And I really hope you enjoy this episode and share this episode. Hi there, my name is Eli, and you're listening to the Youth of the Nation podcast, hosted by my big bro, Nate Burdeen, where he speaks about the now generation, Jesus, and everything in between. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much. there and welcome back to the youth of the nation podcast this is episode 40 a lot of episodes that we've been cranking out and i'm here with sarah wolfer who is the ceo and founder of girl boss sports in washington which is super awesome um sarah how's it going it's going great we had uh not the best weather today but we're pushing through yes uh washington doesn't know how to pick what weather it wants um, I mean, you know, like, I couldn't agree more. You know, like me, it's like, hey, we're gonna be sunny and 80 degrees, and everyone has to wear tank tops, and then we're gonna be cold and depressing, and you just you can never tell. <laughs> exactly, and that can happen in the same day. <laughs> same day, which is like it was. It was kind of sunny this morning or yesterday. It was kind of sunny yesterday, and then it got cold and rainy. It's yes, but I kind of like the rain in the spring because it's like a warm rain. It's not a cold, like disgusting rain. If that makes sense. I agree. The only thing I don't like is like yesterday when it was sunny in the morning, I put on a summer dress and then by the evening it was way too cold and I didn't yes. bring a change of outfit. So oh, that no. back and forth. Oof. Yeah, it can get tough. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. Sarah, me and Sarah Wolfer, we met. We didn't, I mean, we haven't met, but we've talked through email. We've actually been trying to record for a while, but schedules get crazy um, and just get wild. And then we finally, finally are recording today. And Sarah, how about before we get into obviously my first question, what's your why? Tell us about Girl Boss Sports. Yeah, so Girl Boss Sports and talking about that is going to get right into what my why is and why I wake up in the morning and all of that. Uh, but Girl Boss Sports, uh, the long story short is we have two goals. One of them is that we want to increase the number of women sports coaches just because there's way too few of us. Hmm. Uh, for example, for soccer, which is the sport that I've played pretty much my whole life. Only 21% of soccer coaches in the U.S. are women, and then globally it's 7%, so it's a, it's a global issue as well. Wow. And then the second big goal of Girl Boss Sports is to basically help keep girls in sports. Uh, girls are dropping out of sports at twice the rate of boys by the age of 14, and uh, we also see on the other hand that female C-suite executives, 96% of them, played sports in their background and in their teenage years, and over half of them played sports at the university level, yet girls are dropping out of sports, so how do we fix this issue of when we see such clear correlations between success and women in the workplace and later in life, and also girls in sports? Wow. So you're helping helping bridge the gap and really helping women stay in the field of sports, because it's true. Why? I mean, we're going to ask this question later, but like, 
why 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 is that why do you think this is an issue why aren't there women in coaching or ladies staying in sports in general yeah there are so many reasons for that and there's a lot of research around uh both why girls are dropping out of sports as athletes and then also why there's not enough female representation picking let's start with coaches in you know 1972 title nine happened which was wonderful for girls in sports um, and it helped get a lot more girls involved in sports as athletes but it had a lot of unintended consequences for women sports coaches uh, because now men realize that it could be, you know, a good career option for them to coach girls and women's teams. And so now they have 100% of coaching positions open up to them. And they can, it's, it's not weird to see uh, in the society for you to see a man coaching a woman's team. Yeah. But how, how often do you see women coaching men's teams? That's Even true. if they say that these positions are open to all of us, we're not we're not really going to be considered or it's going to take a lot for us to be considered for these positions. And so really we only have half of all coaching positions are open mm-hmm. to us and we have all of these men competing for those same positions as well. And so that's like where it all started was when title nine happened. And um, I think another good thing to mention here is some of the stories that I've had because I've been a soccer coach for 15 years now, always as a side hustle. Um, pretty often I'm one of the only women coaches in the entire club or school or college or wherever I'm coaching. Yeah. And then, so that makes it a very male dominated environment uh, just in general. And, you know, that, that can be in any workplace in any industry, but it definitely happens in the coaching industry. Also, uh, you know, one time, well, all the time, actually, when I'm coaching on the sidelines and let's say there's a dad over there tying his daughter's shoe and the referee walks over to check in, check in the team. Who do you think that they go to? The, the dad, which sucks. Yes, uh, happens so many times. And you know, I'm the one wearing all the coaches gear. I have the player cards out. I have the, you know, the, the rosters printed. Uh, the referee will even make eye contact with me, usually probably just assumes I'm the assistant coach and then we'll go to the head coach. Um, or another time I was leaving a coaching position and I was asked literally three times from three different men coaches there if I was leaving because I was pregnant. Um, wait, and number wait, one, that's hold, very. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes. Wait. Oh, okay. Sorry. That <laughs> that really caught me off guard. I was listening intently. So, you were you were leaving an event, and then I was you, leaving a position. A position. Like I, I yeah, I resigned okay. my position as a coach, and, then, and so that oh was the question I got three times. Is if you were pregnant? Yeah. And I'm like, that's a very inappropriate question. And no, I'm actually leaving to pursue educational goals, but it's really none of your business. But um, isn't that crazy? Oh, that's yes. so wild to me. Yes. And Sorry. the sad part is I'm not the only one with stories like that. Wow. Yes. So that's um, there's mm. a lot of reasons why it's hard to have women become coaches. And there's systemic issues, but there's also issues in hiring because the higher up in administrations you go, the more male-dominated it is. Yep. So if we're only 21% of soccer coaches in general, imagine how much worse it gets each level you go up in the administration. So who is making the hiring decisions? Who are their networks? Who who are they reaching out to? Because we, they don't always post coaching jobs. They're going to reach out to the former, you know, teammates that they had to become yeah. coaches now. Um, and so there's and there's also just a lot of general bias in hiring and people wanting to hire those who are like them or assuming that there's not any women who are qualified to take these positions, which is just not true. And I've proven that with my company because I've already hired 10 qualified women coaches and I have a ton more that are on a waiting list who want to become coaches. So Come on. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can feel the passion through like through just listening to you talk about it. 
Um, and I and I just want to come and say like, I'm coming from an ignorant position because I am not a woman and I don't know these stories. Um, so this is me being kind of selfish and just trying to learn. But getting back to the idea of you were re- resigning from a position, which like you said, is none of their dang business on why you're leaving the position. But the only reason that they assumed that you'd be leaving is because you were pregnant. Yes. So, I, I mean, there's was there, were you hurt in that? I mean, anger, like what was the feeling after being asked those questions? Yeah, all three times actually, I still didn't expect that to happen. So the initial feeling was just one of shock. Like how, what, how is this even a question that's being asked and how is it being asked again? And then how's it being asked for a third time? What? Yeah. And then my, you know, my thoughts were, do I look like I'm pregnant? Which I knew I didn't because I'm an athlete. And then I'm like, <laughs> is that the only reason that women are allowed to leave the workplace or wow. assume that why we're leaving? Is it because I'm in child rearing age now or what, you know, what was it? Just was a lot of questions and I'm not going to go back to these men and ask them those questions uh just because i don't really want to be involved in any further conversation about that with them um but yeah definitely some anger that that's just the automatic assumption and it resonates with how the rest of my experience was in that coaching position just little things here and there of people automatically assuming when i first took on this role um if i had any coaching experience and people just assumed i didn't when i've been coaching for 15 years now i know what i'm doing i've coached from two years old all the way up to the college level Um, and I've played up to semi-pro and so I know the game of soccer I know how to coach it but again it's just the automatic assumption from other coaches from referees from parents people needing to know my qualifications when I can guarantee you their eight-year-old daughter has a a male coach nobody cares what his qualifications are they're just going to assume he knows how to play soccer and can coach the eight-year-old girls but when I go take on a team oh has she played before how long has she played how long has she been coaching all of the questions that I have to answer Uh, So it's just definitely, it's a hard environment, one that needs a lot of work, but one that I'm really passionate about helping to change. Yeah. And I think that's key, right? Is you, you wanting to, to host change, right? Because the tough thing about it is when you have people in privilege and in power and the system works for them, then they don't have to get outside of that system. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're winning in the system. And I didn't even think about how title nine hurts coaches because it wasn't just, it wasn't about coaches, it's about players, right? So they had to have sports that ladies could participate in, but men could still coach those sports. So a place of privilege still being able to dominate over something that was meant to help, um, but also didn't help and weakened some in some places. So I, I mean, I can feel the, the pain and the hurt as I'm talking to you. And so um, and you kind of did answer your why you want to see women in sports, but also in coaching places and also in CEO positions and leadership positions. Um, why, why is it important to have women represented in sports? I think the easiest uh, answer, I can't remember who came up with this quote, but you can be what you can see. And that's one of the ones that's kind of my guiding values in life in general and being a role model for the next generation of female athletes, both as an athlete myself right now, but also through the reach of this company. And so that's the number one thing that it is incredibly challenging to even imagine that you could become an astronaut, for example, if you haven't ever seen women astronauts or, you know, or a more personal example for me. I didn't even know. I mean, I didn't mention this yet, but I'm a, a professional tackle football player now. I'm in my rookie season, That's but so cool. I had 
I had no idea that that was even an option for me. A couple yeah. years ago, I happened to see the team at a parade, and I was like, wait, there's women football players? How cool is that? And then finally, here I am a couple years later trying out for the team because now I know that this is, is an option. And I bet yeah. so many other girls don't even know that this is something that is open to them. And also, it's probably not open to them because there's not a lot of teams right now for girls. Yeah. Hmm, yeah, I, I've seen a, I've seen a, I used to play Ultimate every Monday um, a couple years ago, and there would be a ladies tackle football team practicing all the time. And I was like, this is tight. And was I, that in Kent? It was in Tacoma, Tacoma, Washington. Oh, okay. And um, okay. I was, I mean, I was first, at first, to be honest with you, I was confused, right? Initial thought was, what are you doing trying to play this sport? And then I was like, hold up. Some of them are kind of, they're nice. Like, they're good at this. They know what they're doing. And also, it's not that they need to be good. It's that women can play this sport, too. Um, it's the same with the, I forgot the teenage girl's name, but the teenage girl who, her dream is to be set, is to be the first NFL player um, ever, or first woman NFL player ever, right? And mm -hmm. then you have people go on the sports shows like, oh, she can't do it, she can't do it. But I love the idea of what you said is, yeah, you believe what you can see, and you are you. Once you can see it, you become it. And obviously, this podcast um, speaks to a lot of youth ministers and youth leaders. But I'm thinking about as leading youth, like me being a black man. The reason that I want to be a leader in this is because I saw a black man that was leading it as well in a world that was just full of white men. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm, 100%. So I, I agree with you. Like, once you see it, once you know that it can happen, the reality, it's like a switch flips, just like you said with football, right? The switch just flipped, and you're like, of course I want to do this. But I had no idea that I could. Um, and so. Yeah, and I have, yeah. I have natural talent because I'm, I mean, I played soccer my whole life, but I'm fast and. Sometimes I can catch. I'm still working on that one. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm also the kicker. And there's just a lot of skills that I'm realizing I can bring to this. And I wish that I had played longer. And I'm just now starting at 29 years old. And I just can imagine how, like, how impactful this could have been on my life to do such a sport like this. I'm not going to say I like it more than soccer, but it's definitely getting up there. And I'm, again, only in my rookie season. And then the other women on this team, they are such phenomenal athletes. I mean, and women in general. And I would encourage all of the listeners to this podcast who just really pay attention to women's football. Uh, you can, I actually started a series with the, the team I play on is the Seattle Majestics tackle football team. And I started a series called Football Friday. And so every Friday we release a story on one of the women on the team. And so you can read about all of the diverse backgrounds that everyone comes to the team with, why they're playing football, who their sheroes are, uh, what, what is important about women breaking barriers in sports and in life. And so that's definitely a good place to start, at least in my opinion. I might be biased because I, you know, I did come up with the series, but yeah. so far it's been something that's been impactful even to me just to learn all of the stories of all of these incredible women and athletes. So, yeah, that's good. Um, that's good. And I think what's crucial is, and I think you'd believe this is it's, this isn't just a sports issue. This is a worldwide issue. Right? Yes, I definitely agree with that. Like, this is it, you know, like, what, and I'm not saying that you're saying this, but I think people can go, okay, well, let's fix, let's just fix sports and we'll be okay. It's like, no, this is a, in the workplace issue. This is in the, this is in the church issue. This is, um, this is any way you could think that this would be a problem. This is a problem. So 
let's talk about why did it take so long or why hasn't it takes why has it taken so long for this i don't know if i don't know if i have a better word than issue but for this topic to be as crucial as as it is now as it always should have been but as crucial as as it is now yeah definitely I guess before I dive into that, I just want to touch on what your last point was. I think it's really important. I mean, definitely for me, but also for your audience about it being not just a sports issue and not just this industry, but it is across all industries that things like this happen. And part of what I love what I do with Girl Boss Sports is we're not just teaching soccer skills, uh, like how to soccer. We are doing that, but we're also teaching leadership and teamwork and communication and confidence. All of these things that are going to help girls remain in sports, which again, we already talked about by having girls remain in sports, that's gonna to lead to more female C-suite executives in the long run. And that's really what I want because that means they're gonna to go to all of the different industries and they're gonna make change there because of this background in sports that helped them, you know, or part of the reason was because of that background in sports that helped them learn these really vital skills that, you know, definitely helped me be successful in the workplace. I definitely couldn't have done the things that I've done if I didn't have this 25 years of playing experience of soccer. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then, but going back to your other question about why do I think it's been, uh, why do I think it's just now coming to the forefront now? Or why, is that basically what you asked? Yeah, like, wh- why has this, the women's, you know, women's equality, women's rights, I don't know how to phrase that. Um, like, why is it just becoming, not just becoming, but like, I'd say in like the past five years, it's been making more noise, if you know what I mean. Yes, definitely. So it's, I mean, it's really hard out there. Um, and it's, there's been a lot of, you know, pioneer women who have, you know, stepped up and spoken out over a long time. This has always been an issue. A lot worse, you know, we're slowly making progress and going in the right direction. But it takes a lot of courage and sacrifice to even be someone that steps forward in these situations when issues are happening. And I know that because personally, I had a, an experience at my one of the workplaces before what I'm doing now. And I found out after running, you know, turning around one successful program and then taking on a second one and then taking on a third one and then starting to think, hey, maybe we should talk about compensation because I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot more now running three programs when I started with one. Mm-hmm. And then they started talking about, hey, let me add a fourth program to you. And that, you know, literally quadrupling how much I was originally doing and not offering me any compensation. And then I found out that I was getting paid unequally to two men who worked there by a significant amount. And that, you know, I, because of who I am as a human, I created a spreadsheet and it had 15 columns of all of the, you know, the different logistics of our jobs, including education requirements, like mine required a master's degrees, theirs required a bachelor's and an associate's, mm-hmm. you know, how many clients we have, how many staff we supervise, how much money we're bringing in, how many contracts we have, et cetera, et cetera. And every single one of them, 100%, mine had more, the programs that I was overseeing. And so, that ended up being a four-month battle with my company to get equal pay. I did end up winning. It took a lot of hard work, a lot of reading books from you know powerful women who have done this before and yeah. wrote books on how to negotiate salary. It took a lot of power poses, and I definitely recommend that to your listeners who have to go into any hard conversation. Uh, if you just think the fearless girl statue or you want to Google that, that's, that's the power pose that I use. And... <laughs> It was, it was really challenging and having to go face to face with the CEO of the company and the HR director and other several members of the director team, several of them all at once versus, you know, it felt like David and Goliath to use a religious reference and having to go into these situations. 
It was really hard. And then in the aftermath, after I won, I was then denied promotional opportunities because of this. They said I was too assertive when all of the programs that I was overseeing were running very successfully. We had the highest engagement and retention rate at the company. We were meeting contract requirements, yet I was too assertive. And so I was not going to be given any further promotional opportunities, at least right now, four times. And so when those things happen, you know, and, and me trying to do all of the right things and, you know, do the grievance policies, following what we're supposed to be doing and it not working for me, that was really, it's still something that I'm working through um, and something that's hard to take. And I'm not alone in that. I'm just one example of when that's happened. And I'm a, I'm a white woman. And if you can just imagine if I had other marginalized identities on top of that, how much more challenging that is. Why, as a white woman, I get paid 80 cents to the dollar that a man makes. It's even worse for women of color. And so yeah. it's definitely, it's challenging and it's really hard. And there's this happens to a lot of women and it's maybe they're not in the same financial situation that I was to be able to speak out and be like, hey, if I lose my job, I'm fine with that. I will be able to live without this position. Um, but there's other women that worse things happen to and other companies in this one. And they, they're not in that situation or they're scared. There's fear. Uh, of retaliation like what happened to me so there's all of these things that prevent women from coming forward in these again very pretty often male dominated environments the higher up you go in administrations so that's yeah. at least my thoughts on it wow that i like like a, like we said before we recorded that is a loaded question with a loaded with loaded answer and i i mean i have nothing to say i'm not gonna mansplain or I don't have anything to add on to that. I just think, so as a, as a dude that understands that he can't fix everything, how can one, how can a man that looks at this problem and says, okay, I see it in my church. I see it in my youth group. I see it in my workplace, whether it's a business, whether what, whatever it is, how can one support woman in these, um, in these endeavors or I just, yeah, you know what I mean? Like how can, how can one support someone who's going through maybe that kind of battle or isn't supported in the same way or um, however it is? That's a great question. And so I think there are, it is happening to every woman around you. There's little moments, uh, microaggressions, and then there's the bigger ones that you see, but in any workplace or school setting or anything, you know, sports, whatever it is, you're going to see dynamics play out. For example, you said mansplaining. That happens a lot in the workplace and it takes a lot. I have to, I mean, I'm not, I'm not alone in this, but I have to really compose myself and use my poker face to just, you know, get through those moments when I'm like, hey, I have 15 years of soccer coaching experience, but please tell me how I'm supposed to dribble the ball right now. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, but it's more than just, you know, that. Women, there's a lot of research around that women are cut off pretty frequently, that a woman will say some idea and then Nobody will say anything about it. Five minutes later, a man will say pretty much the exact same idea with his own words and is praised for it. And in those happen. moments, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and if you pay attention, so that's the first thing, pay attention to what's happening around you. Yeah. Talk to the women, see if what their experiences are, if you are gonna be a safe place for that. Um, and then when you see those things happening, be an ally. You like As a man, you have a lot of privilege being able to speak up for women. And again, there's, there's stats around that when men advocate for women, it actually does does things for the reputation in a really positive way. But when women advocate for other women, it does the opposite. They are now looked down upon for doing that. And so it is really challenging to be a woman and speaking up for yourself and others. And it is damaging to your reputation 
whether people say it or not. But as a man, you have this privilege to now say something. And as a, as a side benefit, it's actually going to benefit you and your career by doing so. Mm. So that's probably what I would say about that. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think I, so I had my eyes open for lack of a better phrase of to this idea. Um, I was talking to one of a friend and we were talking about something um, in the Bible or something, something pertaining to that. And she said, yeah, I know what it is. I took religious studies and I was like, okay, cool, dope. And then I said, but did you? And then they got upset with me and told me I was mansplating. And I was like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I'm just trying to teach you what I'm trying to teach. And then I said, that's my issue. I said, I didn't trust her word for what it was. So I thought I had to add more to what she had already said, even though I know that she was qualified about that certain topic. Um, and I sat there for like days just talking to my girlfriend like, what, how do I support? But I think that's good is being an ally um, because we do operate in privilege. It's the same for, for me, my biggest, I'm a minority of being a black man. When I have a white man speak up for me, um, they become an ally. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep doing that. Um, but if we just had more voices speaking for each other, then I feel like we'd be able to look at these problems or these things that we said these need to be fixed now. And we'd see them fixed at a more rapid rate. Yes, definitely. And who's in the, these positions of power? Pretty frequently, it's men. And so yeah. maybe some of your listeners are in positions of power. And it's taking a look at it, not just waiting for someone. Because again, it takes it's a lot of hard work to even come forward with, like for example, equal pay or other rights in the workplace. But go and take a look at it instead in a proactive way. What are you doing? How much are you paying your women versus your men? Who Who is in these positions and why? Are you, are you actually opening up the pool of candidates to women and making sure that they are represented in all the interviews? Like just, yeah. there's a lot of things that you can look, even just Googling how to be more equitable in your hiring practices is a great place to start. Um, and then actively taking a, a good approach on the front end to look into these issues rather than waiting for someone else to have to come forward. Yeah. Wow. Sarah, I... I wish I could talk for two years about this stuff. This is awesome. I think, Me too. This has been great. I think you're, but I think you're giving a hint in, and I hope the listeners can hear your voice as well. Um, I, I like to be detail oriented, and in your voice, you can tell that there's there's hurt. Um, maybe there's trauma. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's trauma, um, and there's just, but there's also a desire and a passion to see something changed. Um, and you can hear it in your voice. So how can how can people get you know how can people reach out to you? How can people get signed up for this? How can how can people follow you? Follow what you're doing? Um, how can people help you out if that makes sense? Social yeah, media, so the website, all kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the website is girlbossports.com. So you can check out all of what we're doing right there. Uh, you can email me at info at girlbossports.com. And then I'm also on social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the things uh, under the username GirlBossSports. And then if you want to follow along my own personal journey, you can find me on Instagram at CEO underscore Sarah with an H, Wolfer, W-O-L-F-E-R. Sweet. Awesome. Well, hey, Sarah the Machine is what I called her on the, um, 
on the recording name. Uh, we, they also call her the Wolf, which is probably the dopest nickname on a field ever. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for blessing my listeners with just knowledge, story, and um, a little bit of how to support women in this constant fight for um, equality, equity, and also just that we all look at each other and say, hey, we're on the same playing field. You know what I mean? Yes, definitely. This has been a wonderful experience talking to you. Thank you for, for having me on. Yeah, it's been great. Well, Sarah, um, thank you. And listener, thank you for listening to the Youth of the Nation podcast. Share this episode to someone that you know, um, a woman that you know, but also a man that you know that you think could be helped by this or supported by this. or Because um, this is, again, like Sarah and I were saying, this isn't just an issue that the sports world is worried about. Um, all of us in every type of facet of our lives need to worry about these things and pick up on the small things and make, make and need to know that the small things matter so we can make sure the big things matter as well. So thank you guys for listening. Share this episode. I'll see y'all later. Peace. <laughs>